Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Lee Precopio, with Consultant 360. Today, we get the opportunity to speak with several researchers who recently presented at CHESS 2021 onto the topic, New Insights and Approaches to Management of Severe Pneumonia and Its Complications. Each of these presenters contributed their research on a different aspect in this area of medicine and is here with us today to further discuss their respective studies. Thank you all for taking the time to speak with me today. Let's start with introductions. George Tetz, MD, PhD, affiliated with the Human Microbiology Institute and the company named their TGVDX. My name is Danai Kemaswan. I'm a faculty at the Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Asif Kishlu. MD. Uh, I'm the program director for internal medicine residency program at Samaritan Medical Center and also the associate professor of medicine at Central Michigan University. Good morning. I'm Dr. Tim Schwarz. I'm a resident physician in internal medicine at Samaritan Medical Center in Watertown, New York, which is northern New York. I'm in the program. Dr. Kitschlu is our program director, and he was also the primary investigator on our paper that was accepted. Could you give us a brief overview of your sessions? Sure, absolutely. So we have developed a novel culture-based diagnostic method named Data Defender that helps the medical doctors to select the most effective antibiotics just within hours. And there, the study that we presented at CHEST is the outline of our first-in-human clinical trial. When we used the ADB finder to select the antibiotics for patients with cystic fibrosis. So we confirmed the clinical response to antibiotics selected with ADB finder, chosen with ADB finder, that it is significantly higher than that selected with conventional methods. So today, the main flaw of literally all antimicrobial suitability tests is that they rely on evaluating the inhibition of growth of a lead bacterial pathogen with their various concentrations of antibiotics. But that happens in a very constrained and very artificial setting. I will tell you what I mean. Whereas in these tests, the elite pathogen is grown as a pure monopathogen culture. Therefore, these tests, they simply ignore critical characteristics of real-life infections. When at the site of infection, for example, in the lungs, the elite pathogen is surrounded by dozens of other bacteria that interact with them. And in other words, the interbacterial interactions, such as biofilm formation or collective antibiotic resistance or the modulation of resistance, you know, phenotype of a lead pathogen by surrounding bacteria are simply not reproduced by conventional antimicrobial stability tests. So, and not accounting for this test contributes to the failure to select effective antibiotic. And we developed ADB Finder that is culture-based microbiological test, but it's based on a novel paradigm, selecting antibiotics effective against not only the lead pathogen, but also uh, supporting bacteria that helps them withstand the antibiotic assault. In other words, we select antibiotics that treat the bacterial community at the site of infection as a whole, and we conduct this uh, testing in conditions that mimic real-life infection. With ADB Finder, we are able to simultaneously identify the efficacy of up to 130 antibiotics for each patient, and we do it uh, within. We can bring the results for the physician just within two hours. In the clinical trial that was conducted, it was three-year perspective and versus 
retrospective data analysis. So we compared the clinical performance of patients with cystic fibrosis during the time when they were treated with antibiotic selective with ADB finder versus the time when they were treated with antibiotic selective with a routine and conventional antimicrobial stability test. And we have received an absolute unbelievable results because first of all, we found that there was a significant reduction in the number of hospitalizations due to pulmonary exacerbations. And actual antibiotics selected with ADB finder were able to completely arrest the development of hospitalizations due to pulmonary exacerbations in these patients. There were 35 total patients with cystic fibrosis. So we then evaluated actually the effect of these antibiotics on a burden of Pseudomonas aeruginosa. That is a critical uh, life-threatening pathogen causing the most significant lung function decline in patients with cystic fibrosis. And once antibiotics started to be selective with ADB finder, we were able to eradicate Pseudomonas aeruginosa in 81% of patients. And it's absolutely unbelievable result because once established, Pseudomonas aeruginosa was known to be impossible to be eradicated. We analyzed uh, specifically, you know, the difference in antibiotics suggested as an effective with ADB finder versus those are selected with their conventional methods and found that there was a significant difference in the type of antibiotics selected with ADB finder. However, while the standard methods are suggested to use, you know, over 70 systemic antibiotic courses over the time, during the same time period with ADB Finder, we were able to prescribe only 45 systemic antibiotic courses, meaning that we could dramatically reduce the antibiotic exposure specifically for these patients. And finally, the cream of the crop was the dynamic of lung function. The pulmonary function is a critical in subjects with cystic fibrosis since its uh, decline determines the reduction of life expectancy in these subjects. And uh, in all patients, all patients responded beautifully. In all patients before the antibiotics were selected with ADB finder, the mean FEV1 was 44%. And after the use of antibiotics selected with ADB finder, there was a significant increase of up to 65%. So we have received these amazing results. Now we're getting ready for the second tier of our next step of clinical trials. And that was the most important outline of our study. Basically, in a patient with it's a general statement, the patient with pneumonia, they usually develop their pneumonic effusion or empyema, which is like a pus in the, the prostate, which in the lungs. So the standard treatment for that in the past is just antibiotics and a chest tube drainage. So uh, the study that we referred to back in 2011 is a missed trial published in the New England Journal that the installation of Altiplase and uh, Dornis, which is a fibrinolytic medication that will help to liquefy the pus or the thick effusion and drain it through the chest tube. So uh, usually as a standard of the treatment is about three days, the twice a day doses, six doses total. So we'd like to see, because about 10, 15% of the best under this study, the patients do need surgery anyway because they didn't get improvement. Uh, the principle of my research is try to find a predictive model that uh, which patient characteristic that will fail the treatment. So if we know that we can expedite the intraperal fibrinolytic treatment and get the patient to surgery, we save about three days of time or more and uh, the patient can get to the surgery faster. So what my study did was we compiled the data from five different centers in the U.S we come up to about 430-something patients. And we use the novel machine learning models that it's a little different than the regression model that 
usually used in these predictive models to build the predictive models. So uh, we use the machine mod machine learning models with four different classifier. So I'm, the, the classifier meaning that they um, allocate the uh, variable differently. It's just different algorithm. And then we will run that test. And uh, what we did was we randomly select 80% of the data to train the models. And then once the model is have a good predictive model, predictive uh, accuracy, and then we test that in the 20% with the data that the model has seen before and we see the correlations. So we come down to, we use 17 clinical variables, including patient characteristic, demographics, radiographic findings, the initial from the initial CT scan, and then raw fluid analysis. It's just a, usually how we diagnose the drain of fluid. We send for chemistry testing and we run some numbers. So with all those 17 uh, variables, we rank which one is the most important. So all these four classifiers came up that the uh, presence of uh, necrotizing pneumonia or abscess and pro-thickening. All these two are very uh, highly predictive of the failure and the patient will need surgery. So that's the uh, overview of my study. The basis for our study is actually, you know, looking at the readmissions for ventilator-associated pneumonias. We know that, you know, the cost of care in the health system in the United States is very, very dependent upon readmissions, which we have for multiple you know, comorbidities in the diseases we admit. So the aim of our study was to actually quantify this uh, readmissions. We have found that there are gaps in the literature stating and quantifying the causes and the predictors of these uh, readmissions in a ventilator-associated pneumonia. Our study is actually a retrospective study in which we looked at the index admissions for ventilator-associated pneumonias and 30-day readmission for those admissions again. So index admissions along with the readmissions, which were 30 days. And we looked at not only what were the top 10 most important causes uh, which were leading to these readmissions, but at the same time, what were the actual predictors uh, in terms of which were leading to, to the readmissions uh, you know, for these patients. I will let Dr. Schartz to kind of uh, you know, dig in into the result section part of it. And then I will uh, expand a little bit more. So thank you, Dr. Kitchu. Yes, effectively, we wanted to look at both the rate and the top 10 reasons for readmission, as well as kind of a comparison between index and readmission statistics, looking at things like in-hospital mortality, total hospital cost, length of stay, and then try to see if we could find statistically significant data that would lead us to, as Dr. Kitchu said, the goal of our study, which is seeing if we could quantify a predictor of readmission within 30 days of an initial index admission for ventilator-associated pneumonia. So effectively, we found overall all-cause readmission was 20%. Essentially, where we got our data from was the National Readmission Database over the year of 2018, looking at some odd 40,000 ventilator-associated cases, of which uh, identified 14,000-plus that met our criteria, and then approximately a little bit over 2,300 who had a 30-day readmission. So statistically significant data we found comparing uh, index and readmission was generally older age, those that had a higher Charleston comorbidity index, that is a marker that is used to tabulate 10-year survival. So we found that a moderately elevated CCI or Charleston comorbidity index had statistical significance for readmission. So the higher, you know, moderate 
elevated scores of one or two, it goes from zero to three, three being the, the most, the highest burden of comorbidities. Scores of one or two had a higher rate of readmission. And then moving forward, in addition to that, we found that total length of stay, hospital cost, in-hospital mortality, much higher for the initial, the index admission, at which point the ventilator-associated pneumonia was diagnosed compared to the 30-day readmission. And we also found a lot of common, in terms of going back to the top 10 reasons, the most common reason was sepsis of unspecified cause. That was uh, approximately almost 28%, 27.5%. And then right by, a bit of a gap, but the next highest number two was actually ventilator-associated pneumonia, again, on readmission. And that was just south of 5%. But other things that show statistical significance in terms of if patients diagnose with or, or their readmission reason for the 30-day readmission, things like COPD, stroke, dyslipidemia, all of those, if patients had those comorbidities, they had a much higher chance of being readmitted at 30 days. And we also found, interestingly, in terms of hospital size, so in terms of the total number of beds of a hospital, that those smaller hospitals in terms of bed size had those patients had a higher risk of readmission at 30 days. So that's kind of the, the data that we compared index and 30-day readmission. And essentially, in terms of predictors, we were able to quantify two specific ones. One, the first of which was a moderate elevated Charleston comorbidity index or CCI score. Those patients, that is a, a predictor. Should they have a score of one or two, a predictor that they would have a higher chance to be readmitted. And then the other actually is uh, hospital size. So again, if they're diagnosed with ventilator-associated pneumonia at an index admission at a smaller size hospital in terms of the number of beds, that's a predictor that they have an increased risk for a 30-day all-coils readmission. So statistically significant comparison data as far as our measured outcomes. And then, but from that, we had two statistically significant predictors, the comorbidity index and the size of the hospital. How can the take-home messages from your studies be implemented into clinical practice? Right. So I think the most important take-home message is that taking into consideration the complex interbacterial interactions in the site of infection is a critical item in order to select uh, effective antibiotics and to decrease the number of antibiotic failures. The finding is in a patient with pneumonia and pneumonia efficient or empyema, if initial CC scans show that the patient have necrotizing pneumonia, an abscess and pro thickening on the CT scan defined as two millimeter thickness on the initial CT. Those two variables are predictor of the failure for their uh, interpural fibrinolytic treatment with alteplase and donors. So the patient should uh, go for the surgery without trying the treatment. For us, I, I think two main things I'm going to take away is the optimization of outpatient management. Just common things you see in primary care, comorbidities such as diabetes, dyslipidemia, COPD, very chronic, very common disease entities in our population. Optimizing them may benefit patients in terms of decreasing the risk for readmission because, again, going back to one of our two predictor statistically significant data points being that comorbidity index. So I think those patients with higher scores, they're at higher risk of readmission, and that directly leads to the importance of outpatient management of said conditions. I think that's the first takeaway. The second, actually, I think is 
it's something that generally has been worked on, but the treatment and care plans for ventilator-associated pneumonia, going back to our second data point on the predictors that was statistically significant, which was the size of the hospital, generally bigger hospitals usually have greater infrastructure in terms of staffing, education, and staff power to be able to recognize the factors that are put patients at greater risk for ventilator-associated pneumonia and preventing that, and then as well as implementing, you know, optimizing care once if there's a diagnosis made of ventilator-associated pneumonia. I think it generally our take home is that smaller facilities may have lacked the staffing power and or the access to resources and or the common repetition of exposure to ventilator associated pneumonia to have that, that mental kind of sequence of how to prevent. And then once it's diagnosed, address ventilator associated pneumonia. What is the next step for your research in this area? Currently we're launching our additional clinical trials in the Children's, uh, Children's National Hospital at the University of Buffalo in order to utilize data we find there in patients with cystic fibrosis, including those who are infected with Brucolaria cepatia infection as well. My, if this is a retrospective multi-center study, even though we have the uh, large amount of patients and relatively it's about 400 patients, but the prospective validation of the model is necessarily. So basically we just have to prospectively collect the data and validate these models. The next step actually is going to be a twofold. One is actually to develop a score, which uh, we have the predictors now and now develop a score, which can directly lead to identification of the patients who are at high risk, number one. Number two, to develop quality improvement project at this point of time, which will lead to certain endpoints with regards to a setup of certain home health uh, setups, especially with these patients with ventilator-associated pneumonia, so that we can see whether we can intervene and we, we intervene for these you know, comorbid conditions in a certain ways to see whether we will be able to reduce this readmission. What is your biggest challenge when managing patients with severe pneumonia? Yeah, for me, it's a, it's a twofold. One is managing a patient with pneumonia when they get into the septic shock, and sometimes it's irreversible to get them back. It's, it's harder to figure out the infection. And then from their, um, through my research, for the proficient standpoint, to find the optimal timing to refer the patient for surgical intervention is difficult. So that's how I come up with the research. For us, related to our study in these patients with very high morbidity index, childhood morbidity index, to find the interventions we can make to decrease uh, the mortality, to decrease the length of stay, and at the same time, decrease the readmissions for these patients. And I, just to add, patients that get ventilator-associated pneumonia usually are going to be sicker in general for their baseline. And then it's just a very complex approach to them. It's not, you know, obviously you have this significant airway infection, but what was it that led to them needing to be intubated? And then how do you try and, as Dr. Kitsu said, if we can implement some type of way of scoring to get ahead of things, and maybe prevent the decline that leads to an intubation and understanding the full kind of holistic management of multiple comorbidities in order to prevent the cascade that would lead to an index ventilator-associated pneumonia admission. Just a very complex, these patients usually have a lot of things going on. So kind of a a loaded, you know, medical question and, and approach. Great. I appreciate you all taking the time to speak with me today.